What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. All right, we will go to the Bud Light Hotline. Welcome in Aaron Torres of Fox Sports. Talk some college basketball here. And I want to start with this because McElroy frustrated with not Alabama being the number one overall seed, but basically the teams where they're ranked in Alabama would play compared to some of the other teams and where they're ranked. Give us your thoughts just on the NCAA's first uh, top 16 ranking. Well, I, I don't really understand. I mean, so you're saying in the hypothetical bracket, you just didn't like your hypothetical draw. Is that what we're, is that what we're saying? No, what I'm saying is, and it's not even because, look, this is the first time ever Alabama's been in this situation. So, like, I think it's kind of a bigger issue as far as just how the seeding is concerned. If you're the number one seed, then you should have the easiest path to the final four. No matter what, okay. regardless of geographical advantages and all those other things. So the one seed should ultimately have the number 16 overall seed in their bracket. And they should have the worst two seed, the worst three seed, whatever. Whatever the circumstances okay. may be, it should be the easiest for the one seed to get to the Final Four. Whereas if you look at what the NCAA put out just the other day, Alabama has to play Baylor and two other teams that are actually seeded higher than what Kansas would have to play, who is also a one seed, but they're the fourth one seed when taking everything else into account. Okay, so this is great because you got me riled, you're riled up on what I always get riled up on in the middle of March, um, and this is one of my huge pet peeves, and both of you guys have a much bigger platform than I do, so maybe you can go to the powers that be and make this same argument, Greg, because I am with you a thousand percent. I say this every single year. What, you know, listen, I get that there's some, you know, financial components to all this, right? You want your, te- your, you know, your best teams playing close to home because financially you're going to sell more tickets. And, you know, as an example, I think there's a regional in Birmingham this year. So I'm guessing that Alabama is going to be there. Um, and so I, I bring all this up to say, this is my number one thing that drives me crazy on Selection Sunday, is that I sit there and say, listen, I understand the idea of travel and this and that, but at the end of the day, whether you're playing 90 minutes from home or whether you're playing a six-hour plane ride, you leave the same day, um, you arrive the same like, like Like Alabama playing in Birmingham versus Seattle, they leave for the regional the same day. So you're not missing any less school. You're not missing any less time away from home. And here's the bottom line. At the end of the day, we're talking about 16 teams that travel for more than one weekend, right? Because, uh, because you know, three-quarters of the field is eliminated in the first weekend. We're talking about four teams total that are traveling more than two weekends come NCAA tournament time. And so, to me, I'm sorry, but I'm not getting stressed out about four teams total missing two weeks of school and the travel that could be impacted. But the travel's been impacted because, uh, because again, Everybody leaves on the same day anyway. So I totally agree. I think the biggest, my biggest complaint about the bracket every year is that it's imbalanced. There's always one region that seems to be more stacked than others in large part because, again, we're trying to do this for travel and we're trying to do this to keep teams close to home. I, I, 
you know, listen, is it ever going to change? Probably not. But this is my number one gripe. Just make the bracket as balanced as possible. And I agree with you, Greg, and I'm not saying it because Alabama is the number one overall seed in this hypothetical. I would say it if it was Kansas. I would say it if it was Kentucky, UCLA, whatever. Just make the bracket as balanced as possible. And, yes, the number one number one seed should have an easier path in theory than the number four number one seed. Which is the way I see it. You rank teams one through 68. That this is the way I would do it. I mean, and obviously, like, it's a little bit tricky because you have playing games, all sort of stuff. What, what have you? All right, one through sixty-eight, you rank the seats, and then it should be just a snake draft all the way across, like one, two, three, four, and then five, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and then it should just go snake draft all the way through one through sixteen, all the way through. And and it should be as simple as that. I, I guess, like you said, I mean, travel. Okay, it's hard on the fans. I, I I understand that to a certain extent, but ultimately the players are the ones that are having to potentially play against misseeded teams and or difficult matchups, and that to me well, feels very me, unfair. And let me jump in on that. That's exactly right. Is that yes, yes, you know, um, travel is a little bit different, but at the end of the day, at, or uh, excuse me, yeah, travel is what I was saying. So like, but at the end of the day, we as consumers of this entertainment product, and you know, I hate to say it because these are student athletes and blah 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 blah, but this is an entertainment product. We as a consumer of the entertainment product just want the best product possible, and yeah, it'd be really cool if. You know, like like Baylor Alabama is going to be an awesome game, but it shouldn't be to go to a Final Four if those are, say, hypothetically, two of the best five teams. So that's what I think gets lost in the conversation. Is like, you know, people say, oh, you know, it's one game, it's this, it's that. Well, first of all, it's unfair, right? So like, let, let's just use let, let, let's use a hypothetical, right? Let's say that Purdue ends up being a two seed, and somehow they end up in the same region as as Alabama. The South Regional is in Louisville this year. Well, Louisville, I'm not great at geography. I know it's closer to Purdue than it is to Alabama. And so it's just like, like you know, yeah, you're going to sell more tickets. Yeah, the stadium, the arena is going to be awesome. But it's like if Alabama as the number one seed is at a disadvantage there, that's just ridiculous. You know, there's a regional in Kansas City this year. Okay, well, if Kansas – I'll give you an even better example. So in the mock bracket, I don't even know who was the number one seed in the West. What I do know is that Arizona is the number two seed in the West. Well, the Pac-12 tournament is played every year in Vegas, and it's called the Arizona Invitational because 95% of fans – and I've been to that tournament – are Arizona fans. Whoever's the number one seed in the West, is it going to be fair to them to basically be playing in an Arizona home game when Arizona is the number two seed? Now, again, to your point, Greg, if, if the, that's the way that the bracket falls, okay, but it's not one, it's just not fair to the teams that have earned that right, but two, I don't think it's good for the consumer if you know, again, I'm just using this as a hypothetical. Alabama's the number one seed in the West somehow, and they have to go into a, a, a you know a, a, a neutral court. So again, there are logistical issues. There are you know, I, I there are logistical issues from the perspective of conference affiliation. You know, BYU when they're in has the religious situation, but for the most part, I a thousand percent agree. Just make it one through 68, make it as balanced as you possibly can, because at the end of the day, that makes the best consumer product, which is exactly what the NCAA tournament ends up being. All right, Aaron Torres of Fox Sports joining us on the Bud Light Hotline. Going a little bit past that, uh, where is the rest of the pack compared to Alabama for you, right? 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But scabby, abby, scabby, the whole school yeah, just hurt me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created the show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Right now, it's. I just think it's a huge matchup-based tournament, Cole. I really do. Um, you know, like, like I think Alabama. They, I think they deserve that spot uh, on Saturday. But this year, like, there, there's been years where the number one team feels like there's a significant gap between them and everybody else in the sport. I don't think that's the case this year. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Baylor is an example of a team. Yes, they just lost to Kansas, but I, you know, I think that they could be a number one seed most years. Uh, Texas is on, on the two line. I, you know, they've, they've been, you know, taking a little bit of a step back, maybe the last probably 10 days or so. They just haven't been as dominant, but part of that is the Big 12. So, you know, my, my kind of talking point on this is that, you know, I, I think a lot of years when we try to claim that the tournament is so wide open, it usually is. Isn't like if you go through the history of the tournament, usually it's a one seed that wins it. If it isn't, usually it's a team that has like basically the best player in the tournament. You know, my alma mater, UConn, won in 2011 with Kemba Walker, 2014 with Shabazz Napier. They weren't a one seed, but it, they had the best player in the tournament. And so I just bring it up because I think most years you can really boil it down to. Uh, if you're not a number one seed, if you don't have like that one difference maker in the tournament, you're probably not going to win it. But this year, I, I really don't think there is that much of a difference between, um, you know, the, the number one overall seed, uh, you know, which would have been Alabama in the hypothetical of this weekend, or you know, Baylor, which is on a two line, Texas, which is on the two line. Um, I don't, I don't even remember all the teams that are on the three line, but I, I don't think there's a huge difference between say like one and seven. One one and eight, one and nine this year when the bracket actually comes out. It does feel strange because there's just been so many inconsistencies for the teams that are ranked one, two, three, what have you. Uh, I do think Bama's been as about as consistent as they get, but gosh, Purdue having lost three out of four, it's just it's tricky to me. Do you think Purdue can really make a deep run? I, like I know, I know, Avi's amazing and whatnot, and he's he's so good and is just continuing to get better. The guys played a lot of basketball. I believe they said. It was his sixth year of basketball ever. Is uh, what he's playing in right now. One of his teammates has actually played college basketball longer than he's played <laughs> basketball, which is insane to me. Um, I just don't know if they have enough around him to really make a deep run. Am I crazy there? No, you're not at all. It was funny. I was actually texting with a, a former, you know, D1 head coach this morning about them. Um, and, you know, first of all, my, my talking point on them, it, why I bring it up is because I said to him, I said, if they were in the Big 12, like, you know, would they be this good? And he just said, absolutely not. And the Big 12 is the best conference in the league, in the country, and so it's probably unfair. But I don't think they'd be running away with things if, uh, you know, if they played in a more competitive league. The Big 10 right now is not, like, it's not very good. I mean, I don't know what the AP poll and says and everything, but Indiana and Purdue are both pretty good, and then there's a big gap. And so with Purdue, you know, what I, what I said after the Maryland game, is like you can just look at some, some some basic obvious facts about Purdue and know that they're probably not really built to win the championship even if they're having a great regular season. Um, you know, most most national championship teams have some pretty 
pretty good consistencies. They have upper-level veteran guards, right? Um, well, Purdue starts two freshmen in the backcourt, and neither of them is like, you know, it's not like a, a, a John Wall or a, a, a Derrick Rose, like a difference maker as a freshman. They they don't even really right now, I don't think they have a surefire NBA player. Like, Zach Eady, I get it, great season. Um He's a seven foot four low post center. Like it's just that's not how the game is played. And so you don't have a, a surefire pro. You don't have you have freshman guards that aren't like elite elite talents. Um, you know, I, I just and by the way, nobody really is consistent outside of Edie. I mean, even yesterday they won, they won by like twenty five or whatever. But there was a stretch in the game where he still had well over the majority of their points, and Ohio State just didn't have anybody to stop him. So. I'm with you, Greg. Listen, it's a great story. Um, I don't want to take away from the fact that they weren't ranked in the top 25 to begin with, and they have clearly uh, overachieved throughout the season. But when I start looking at teams that I think are good enough to win six straight and, and do it you know, against different teams from different parts of the country, different styles of play, I, I don't think they're that team. I really don't. All right, I want to just get your final thoughts on, on Auburn and Bruce Pearl's group. It's been... It's been a weird year, uh, kind of an yeah. up-and-down year. Offensively, lacks an identity, not good late in games. I, I, there's not really a nice way to describe it. Uh, but there's some talent there. They flashed at times. There have been some good that have come along with this year. Uh, Lenardi has them in the tournament, but it, it, is it too late to find anything consistently to be able to make some sort of a postseason run? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much you guys have, have talked about it, you know, just in your coverage of Auburn. It does feel like a little bit of just a trickle-down effect from last year is that great early, but but kind of late, everybody kind of figured out um, the guards were trying to do too much. You know, probably la- going back to last year, they probably, as weird as it sounds, didn't do enough with Jabari Smith as far as, you know, it just felt like at times, you know, the guards kind of tried to take over and do too much. And you look at this year and it feels kind of, you know, feels kind of the same, right? Like, you know, Wendell Green, just inconsistent. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not picking on anyone specific, but, but the guards specifically, you know, they're not shooting the ball well. They turn the ball over too much. And when it's like, okay, well, when your, your whole team is built around guards and you're not shooting well and, um, you know, you turn the ball over too much, that's just not a recipe for success, especially when, listen, Janai Broom is awesome. You know, I, I, Cover, you know, I got to know, you know, kind of the people around him a little bit when he was at Moorhead State. Like, he's a really, really good talent, but he's not Walker Kessler. He's not uh, Jabari Smith. And so when I look at Auburn, I'm kind of with you, Cole, is like I give them credit for doing enough early, especially in SEC play where, you know, really barring a collapse, you know, they should comfortably be in the tournament. They, they, they did the things they needed to early in the schedule, but as the schedule has gotten tougher and obviously it's going to stay tough, they just haven't been able to kind of compete with those upper-level SEC teams. Obviously, we know about the struggles against A&M. We know about the first Alabama game, which, you know, was very competitive. I don't want to take it take away their performance from them. But, yeah, I just I look at them and I say, listen, I think Bruce Pearl has done about as well as he could with this specific group. The guards are limited. The bigs aren't as good as last year. And when that happens, it probably puts a ceiling on, on frankly, what you can kind of do this year. Aaron, great stuff, man. Thank you so much for taking some time to hop in, talk a little college hoops with us. We appreciate it and look forward to catching up again soon. Absolutely. Thank you both. Thank you both. Have a great morning. Absolutely. That's Aaron Torres of Fox Sports joining us on the Bud Light Hotline, carefully brewed with a clean, crisp taste when there's fun. Bud Light is there. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today 
a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.